You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. And let's head to some football here on the final Sunday of the football season uh, in 2023. And let's join, welcome in, Ritz Amini. Does a great job covering the Jets for us and all things NFL on ESPN. And of course, remember, check out the Flight Deck. That podcast is outstanding. You can download it on the ESPN New York app. Ritz Amini, happy holidays, my friend. How are you? Happy New Year, Larry. Uh, thanks. Always good to be with you. Talking Jets. Yeah, we'll talk some Jets. Rich, give me just give me your thoughts overall. Um, there's been a lot of articles this week I've noticed about not that Robert Salas coming back. Uh, you know, some thoughts and, and review about some of the things that has happened during the season from a coaching standpoint, not personnel, from a coaching standpoint, from 12 men on the field. The, 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 the unforced errors... Rich, that even when I cover team, it seems to transcend coaching. <laughs> it doesn't matter who's around. They seem yeah. to still make these errors, but it seemed to be really bad uh, this year. Well, they lead the league in penalties, so let's start with that, and that's never a good thing. And, uh, in fact, over the three years that Robert Sala has been the coach, the Jets are third in uh, total number of penalties. So it's an obvious area. It's not an isolated thing. It's been – you know, pervasive over three years. So it's clearly something that has to be cleaned up. And uh, yeah, the worst kind of the pre-snap penalties, you know, the, the, you know, just the false starts and the, you know, the, the delay of game, you know, on a field goal and, and just the operational things that should not be happening at this stage of the season. That's what the preseason's for, you know, you iron out those kinks in the preseason now, you know, they can say, well, it'll be different with Aaron Rodgers. That seems to be the familiar refrain. Everything is, you know, it, it'll be different with Aaron. No, yeah, it, it might be because, you know, the the pre-snap penalties, you know, he'll have a cadence that I'm sure they'll be used to. The Jets offensive linemen have gone through, through so many different cadences this year with all the different quarterbacks. And that definitely has an effect. But so Rodgers can help in operational stuff like that. But um they're certainly putting a lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Talk about one pressure, pressure on one player uh, for an, to carry an entire team next year. It's going to be a lot. But those sort of things are just maddening to the fan. I get it. It looks bad. It's a bad optic on top of the fact that they just got blown out of that game. So it's, it was just a horrible night in Cleveland. It really was, Rich. And, you know, and it, you know, we look at it and that, you know, listen, you get the, the emails and the texts and the, and the stuff on, on X and we take phone calls all the time. And I think really, Rich, when you look at it, the most frustrating thing, I think, for Jet fans this season has been you understand injuries, right? You get it. I mean, you have 13 different offensive linemen. You're not going to play the same, obviously. But it just seems as though the, they weren't they weren't prepared. And see, that's a different conversation that you have because other teams have had injuries. We see it. We watch teams that perform. <laughs> Look at Cleveland. I mean, they've had injuries. That You take the same guy who clearly who, who with Joe Flacco was not the same. We didn't see this Joe Flacco the time when he was no. with the Jets. Otherwise, he'd have been with the Jets. So it's, I think that's the thing that really frustrates fans is you watch this. They don't. They just don't look prepared. And once again, unfortunately, yes, that's up to the players to do that. But, Rich, a lot of that's on not only the head coach, but the coordinators and the position coaches. Larry, I think one of the great statistics that we use that I think illustrates, you know, um, 
preparation and coaching is just look at the first quarter point differential this year. The Jets are last in the league in first quarter point differential. And I wish I had it at my fingertips. I know it's minus a lot. You know? mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, trust, me on, trust me on that. And the great irony of Thursday night is that the offense finally scores a touchdown on the opening drive. You know, first time all year that the offense scores a touchdown on the opening drive. And so you're thinking, okay, maybe the Jets are going to, you're thinking maybe a little bit of a shootout here. Maybe the defense can stand up and, and, uh, you know, stiffen up and, and shut down the Browns. But that clearly was not the case. The defense did not show up at all. And so you look at that statistic, and to me, that goes directly to coaching. You know, is your team physically and mentally prepared to play in these games? And the Jets have been outplayed in virtually every first quarter this year. And that tells me that they were not prepared, you know, over the long, over the course of a long season, they were not prepared more often than not. And it's not on one player, not being there. I just, I just don't think they were a really well coached team this year. Now that's hardly a earth shattering revelation when the team mm-hmm. is six and 10. Uh, I think there were a lot of personnel issues. I think there were a lot of coaching issues. And the Jets have to take a hard look at this stuff in the offseason. Rich Amini is my guest. Now, Rich, obviously you said it's a lot of pressure to be put on uh, Aaron Rodgers. A lot of pressure on uh, the general manager this offseason, Rich, to make sure he improves that offensive line, to get some receivers, to do some things. This is, you know, for Joe Douglas in his sixth year, I mean, let's face it, Rich, if this if this doesn't work next year, we're gonna be looking at you're gonna be looking at a new staff of everybody. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a new it'll be a house cleaning. Joe Douglas, I think it's twenty five and fifty six or something along those lines. I might be one or two off, but the point is that, you know, he's basically thirty games under five hundred since he's been a GM and and so yeah, I mean this is um, do or die for both of those men, Sala and Douglas, going into 2024. Joe Douglas had one phenomenal draft. I think he's living off that. Um, this year's draft was not productive. I mean, Will McDonald looks like a major question mark right now. You look at some of the free agency, uh, some of the moves coming into this year. When we were screaming about the offensive line, Larry. How many conversations did we have Please. in late July and August about the offensive line? It was. Yeah. It was a major story then, and it became a major story throughout the year. And, uh, you know, they got a full season out of Makai Becton, which is I don't think anyone could have anticipated. But, you know, Dwayne Brown broke down. And that's what happens when you rely on a 38-year-old tackle coming off a shoulder surgery, and he broke down. And so there were a lot of miscalculations by, by Joe Douglas, leaving the receiver position so barren after signing Nicole Hardman, which turned out to be a waste, and, and Lazard clearly with one of the more disappointing seasons we've seen in some time for a free agent receiver. And so, yeah, Joe Douglas did not have a good offseason last year. He needs to bounce back in a big way or, or else the Jets are going to be in the same position next year. Rich, is Makai Becton salvageable by putting him on at the guard spot or are they just going to have to move on from him? You know, I, I think... You know, it's weird. I think he had two years this year. I think what we saw from Makai for like the first nine or ten games, uh, maybe even 11, I thought he played really well. He had an off game against the Giants and Thibodeau, and then the last couple of weeks he's been off. He had a rough game on Thursday. But I think the fact that he got through the season proved that he could – the durability questions about him, he silenced those by playing through. He's only 24 years old. Hmm. Um 
I think he is salvageable as a tackle. I, 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 I do think his arrow was pointing up uh, because of his age and because I think he'll be better equipped next year now that he's got a full season under his belt. But the thing is, though, he's going to be a free agent. I do not anticipate the Jets bringing him back. I, I think Makai and the Jets will uh, go their separate ways. And unless he comes back on a, a like a, a really minimal one-year prove-it deal, and I, I don't think he's looking for that. So I think he'll probably move on, and the Jets will be heavily into the offensive line market this offseason. Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> like, it's like cut and paste. For, um, I could write, you know, take my stories from the last few offseasons and just cut and paste the biggest needs. It seems like – it's just a you know constant. Uh, it's a broken record. You know the one thing I disagree with though, mm-hmm. I think the people who get on Joe Douglas for saying that he hasn't tried to fix the offensive line, I think that's wrong. He has tried. I mean they've invested two first round picks in AVT and Becton, a second round pick in Tipman, and a bunch of money in free agency. So he has invested premium resources in the offensive line. It's just that those investments haven't paid off. So it's not for lack of trying. It's just the lack of picking up the wrong people, which in the long run is like, is the same thing, I guess, because they yeah. still need linemen. Yeah, it is. It, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting, crazy scenario, Rich, because you watch them and, and you know that they know what they're looking for. So you just wonder what is the, what is the process they use to identify these picks that they have, right? You, you see them because it's not like they haven't tried. As you mentioned, they picked after pick them. Listen, you can't blame him for ABT. He just can't stay healthy. That's, that's the situation. You look at Makai Becton. I mean, Rich, his first year, it should have worked. I mean, he should, you look at him, you're like, okay, well, he, we can work with him on his footwork, but as far as running behind him, let's run behind him. He's, a, you know, he's, she should be opening holes. So in theory, the picks should have worked. They just haven't. Is it, I mean, Rich, is it a scenario where they haven't been coached properly? I mean, is that a scenario? I mean, because in this offseason, the Jets have to look at everything and revamp and retool everything they've done because it just hasn't worked. Yeah, well, they've been through th- three different systems. A player like Makai Beckton has been three different systems. So that obviously has an effect as well. Um, you know, Beckton was a little bit of a risk, you know, when they drafted him, they passed, they passed on Tristan Werps, who turned into an all pro right tackle. And with Makai, I mean, at the time we knew there was some risk. Anytime you're drafting a player who's 360 pounds and you know, there's a chance he might go higher, then there's some risk involved with, with injuries and so forth. And you, you know, you saw it. I mean, it was the first knee injury for Makai was fluky. I mean, the guy, his own teammate rolled up on him. So that was a fluke, but then, you know, then the weight issues became a factor and then he injured his knee again and the weight injuries issues became a factor. And to his credit, I mean, he had an awesome off season this past year, dropped a ton of weight, came into camp, I, I thought he wouldn't even make it through the preseason. You know, I, I didn't think there was much hope there. And then he wins a job in the preseason. And uh, like I said earlier, was playing his butt off for about 10 games. And I think he just hit the wall. But, um, yeah, maybe they just need to take like, AVT. Guy never got hurt in college. Now all of a sudden he's missed two full years, basically. So it's it's a really hard thing. Salah did say something about a week ago that they were going to take a really hard look at their offensive line and injuries and you know, they got all these sports science people over there trying to figure this stuff out. And 
you know, they're going to try to see if they can find some common denominators and try to eliminate some of these injuries. I mean, the turf has been mentioned as a possible issue, um, but AVT got hurt in Denver. It was on grass, you know, so you can't blame the turf on that. So uh, the Jets just basically need, uh, they just need to go on a darkness retreat, just <laughs> like just a, a retreat, just to evaluate all aspects of the organization. That's what they need to do, basically. Yeah, you're right about that, Rich. A couple more for you. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, listen, they they play. This is very similar to last year, right? They started out well. They were dominant for most of the year. Then coming down the stretch, they have just lost focus. It seems like communication issues. Folks are wide open. I mean, you know, uh, the tight end in Cleveland on the first couple of drives, which was right open in the center of the field. This is not the Jet team we've been looking for and looking at defensively. Are they just wearing down? Yeah, I thought Njoku, it's like I never saw Ozzie Newsom play as a player, but I said, I was thinking to myself, this must, must have been what Ozzie looked like, you know, as a player, because <laughs> this guy's running all over the place. He had over 100 yards in the first quarter, and the crazy <sighs> thing about it is, Larry, they knew they were going to throw to the tight end because Amari was scratched right before the game. Cooper, you know, was out with a heel injury, and so it's, it's Elijah Moore and David Njoku, and so you figure they're going to feature Njoku, so the Jets knew that, and you know, they just, the coverage was really soft. You know, they were playing a lot of zone in the first half. The first play was like a, the first long play, I think it was like a third and 12 or third and 15. And they, they played such a deep zone. They were playing the sticks and he catches the ball. But when a guy catches the ball underneath, he got to tackle and, and they didn't tackle him. And, and you're right. It was just a horrible showing by the defense. And actually Joe Flacco, if, if the Browns wanted to, if they kept the, the pedal down, uh, Flacco could have thrown for 400 yards easily. I mean, mm. they stopped basically in the in the second half. They showed a little mercy, but yeah, it was. A, I still think the Jets have a good defense. Uh, I think they were seventh going into the week in uh, yards allowed. It's nine nine of the eleven starters are under contract, so they still have a good nucleus. They still need some things. I think they need a defensive tackle, like a wide body defensive tackle to help against the run. The mm -hmm. run has been leaky this year and I, they're going to need a safety. You know, Jordan Whitehead is going to free agency. I don't know if he'll be back. They need a, a safety with some playmaking skills. Um, so yeah, it's not the perfect defense, but I still think it is a pretty good defense when you look around the league and see some of the other defenses. That I think written, we're going back to coaching and I guess coaching philosophy, but that's one of the things that, I thought that at one point they had gotten better at, but it doesn't seem like it. I guess, you know, once again, I don't know whether it's scheme or whether it's players not executing the scheme. But, Rich, it seems like they're very slow to make adjustments. I mean, you know, they just seem like it's like teams almost go away from things faster than they make adjustments to what they were getting beat by. And, and the Cleveland situation, I think, is the perfect example. I mean, going into that game, Rich, you knew. If, if Joker, you had to take something away. And they just seemed like they were able to get whatever they wanted. Yeah. I mean, again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, just with the first quarter point differential. I mean, the defense factors into that as well. That's not mm -hmm. just offense. Yeah. The defense is uh, they played really well in, through the second half of games this year. Maybe you're right. Maybe they're a little slow to adjust. I think the philosophy going into this game on a short week and on a, on a road game on a short week, I think the plan was to keep things as simple as possible on defense just to make it easier on players on a short week to digest the game plan and, and allow them to play fast. I know from talking to DJ Reed after the game, 
he was praising the coaches on how mm-hmm. they had the perfect game plan and they gave us a chance to play and not think too much. And so, I don't know, maybe there's a such thing as being too simple on defense. Um, the Jets are generally a pretty simple defense anyway. I think they pride themselves in simplicity because it allows the players to just play instead of having to think too much. So I guess maybe on a short week, it, it, it bit them in the rear end. I think that's an issue that they have to think about. They were 0-4 on short weeks this this year, and, and they were outscored by a 2-1 to margin. And it's going to be – they better get that, that fixed because they're going to be on some short weeks next next year too because with Aaron Rodgers on the team, you know they're going to get a bunch of primetime games. So they're going to get some Monday night games and some, who knows, maybe another Black Friday game or a Saturday game. So there's going to be some short weeks. And if you want to be an elite team in the NFL, you have to learn to adjust to that because all the – I mean, look how many short with the Cowboys are playing primetime all the time. Yeah. And you have to be able to adjust to that – and the Jets quite clearly did not do it well enough this year. Last one, Rich, and that's perfect leading to my question. Will the NFL, will they, will they take a more conservative approach with this Jet team and say, you know what, uh, yeah, we know he's supposed to come back. Let's see what they do and everything. Do they not put them in prime time so early and use them to flex later in the season? I mean, because they rolled the dice and they got some bad games this year, Rich. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the Kansas City game was actually a good game. It was, you know, it was. That, Yeah, the Sunday night game, the Jets played well in that game, and uh, Zach Wilson played probably his second-best game. And then, uh, you know, you had the Cleveland debacle, and, you know, they did. But the, to answer your question is, like, no, I don't think the <laughs> NFL is going to be conservative. I mean, it's a New York market team, and Aaron Rodgers is going to be back next year. And if the Jets make a couple of good moves, and who knows, he might be thrown at Devontae Adams next year. I mean, so the Jets are going to be a marquee team next year because this defense is going to come back. They'll, they'll make a couple of moves on the offensive line, whether they're the right moves, I don't know. They'll get another receiver, uh, whether it's the right receiver, I don't know. But the, and it's Aaron Rodgers, and people love to watch Aaron Rodgers. And so, Larry, to answer your question, I think the Jets will be in primetime just as much next year as they were this year. Oh, gosh. I hope, I hope they make the right moves, Rich. It was some tough watching this year, my friend. <laughs> it, it was it was the worst offense. I mean, I covered some bad offenses in 35 years, Larry. There was a stretch oh. this year. Well, actually, not a stretch. Most of the year was about as bad as I've ever seen. And oh. uh, we've gone through Gase. You know, we've oh. gone through Bowles. We've gone through some rough offensive patches, even back in the Bruce Coswood era. It was a brutal stretch toward the end of one year, but uh, this probably was the worst. Wow. Well, Rich, listen, to you and your family, Happy New Year. Uh, we'll talk to you during the week as we'll see if, if, if the Jets can do one thing right this year and beat New England finally at the end of the season. We'll talk to you then, but until then, Happy New Year, my friend. We'll talk soon. Happy New Year, Larry. Take care. All right, that's Rich Samini. When we return, we'll take your phone calls on anything in the NFL, and we'll go back to some Knicks talk in case you missed out on our opening segment as well. 1-800-919-3776. Giants making a statement. They have uh, have two interceptions. They now trail the Rams 2016. We'll get your thoughts next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. This is an off-season and we get to the calls in a second. This is an offseason that everything the Jets do has got to be reexamined and adjusted to. 
every single thing from nutrition, from uh, how you deal with injuries, from uh, everything, everything, scouting, what you look for, everything. Everything has got to be reevaluated for this Jet team because there are, you cannot have the same situation, okay, that you had this year, next year. You can't. From an injury standpoint, from bad preparation of rolling the dice of who the backup quarterback was going to be, from everything, everything, every decision, everything, every. Everything you do. I heard uh, Robert Sala in the post-game press conference when he was asked about the short weeks, and Rich Samini alluded to it in our conversation. And he said, you know, I got to look at it because we've tried four different things and none of them have really worked. So they have to reevaluate and look at your experience. Okay, we tried this, this didn't work. We tried this, that didn't work. And I'm sure they do that. But they have to take it to the next level because, I mean, let's face it. There were some things that they did this season that they could have prepared a little bit better preparation for as if, okay, if this happens, this is what we have to do. Okay. To, to, and okay. And I'm sure they did that, but now that wasn't enough. So they have to go even further. Okay. They've got to do some other stuff. I mean, from, from talent evaluation to depth to, a lot of different things, they have to go back to the drawing board and make total adjustments because their whole thought process, it did not work. Listen, you can't predict injuries. The only thing you know is that injuries will happen. Okay? But based on what you saw this year, okay, you have to go in and say, you know what? We have to do a better job at backup quarterback. We have to do as good a job as possible. I mean, nobody expects that you're going to have 13 different offensive line combinations in the regular season. That's out of this world. Okay, nobody expects that. You can't plan for that. All right? But do you roll the dice going into training camp knowing that you have, what, a 38, 39-year-old offensive lineman who's going to be injured and you're hoping that he comes back to be your starting left tackle? I mean, that situations like that is what I'm talking about. Now, if he was on injury reserve or if he was injured and he was your backup tackle, okay, I, I can deal with that because you expect that he's going to be healthy at some point in time during the season and you've got some options there. All right, so that's different. But to go in knowing that he was the starter, okay, and Makai Becton, you were hoping that maybe he could get, be the backup. And he ends up being the starter for most of the season. All right. So, you know, these are the things I'm talking about that they have to do a better job on. How to prepare in case there's injuries. And through this year's situation, hopefully they'll do some things. The other thing is, I mean, you cannot run your offense on just one guy. There's got to be some other things that you put in there. There's got to be some other stuff that you you say, you know what? Okay, this is not working. We got to go and do something else for this guy. This is this is not going to work. He's not Aaron Rodgers. Okay, so we have to do something else. And let's have a different game. All right, let's have a different set of things. And and what Dan Olavsky said it. There's been a ton of analysts. Amari uh, uh, Amari uh, Amani Toomer said it. 
on these airwaves. Bart Scott has said it. Okay, what are the plays you like to look at? What are the plays you can run well? Well, these are the things we're going to have to go to. The fact that this offense was limited to Brees Hall and Gary Wilson, it just it just didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense. So these are the things. Look, this season's gone. It's done. All right, it's done. The question is now, how do we make sure this situation doesn't happen again? And if in worst-case scenario it does, this is how we make sure we don't end up with the same results that we had this year. Because this was a lost year. It's a lost year for your young receivers. It's a lost year for your young defensive backs. It's a lost year for the the young nucleus of your team whom you hope that you're going to resign and build something around. We'll get to your calls next on 9870 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. It's The Drive on 9870 ESPN. Get to the calls in a second. Quick scoreboard for you out at MetLife Stadium. Giants playing well. Tyrod Taylor, 21 of 29, 252 yards, a touchdown and a pick. And the Giants trail 26-19, but are driving again to try to uh, get back into this game. They're going down for the lead, so we'll keep an eye out on that for you as well. Elsewhere in the National Football League, Ravens over the Dolphins, 35-19. About 12 minutes left to go in the fourth. Colts with a 2013 lead over the Raiders, just under four minutes in the fourth quarter. Texans leading the Titans 26-3 at the two-minute warning. We've got just over six minutes left. Buccaneers trailing the Saints 20-7 in the fourth. Also in the fourth, Bills with a 27-21 lead over New England. Ezekiel Elliott has just scored a touchdown for the Pats. Bears over the Falcons 27-10. About 13 minutes left to go in that one. Jaguars shutting out the Panthers 19-zip. A little over five minutes to go in the fourth. Eagles and Cardinals tied at 28. Kyler Murray's played very well in this game. Four, about four, a little over four minutes left to go there. And the Commanders just stopped the Niners on the fourth and goal, but uh, they trail 27 to 10. Quick look at your scoreboard on the drive here on 98.7 ESPN. Back to the phones we go. Artie's in Brooklyn. What's up, Artie? Hey, happy New Year, bud. Happy New Year, partner. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the uh, the Ravens uh, Dolphins game, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And I, a guy I never heard of just like ran for like a 50 yard run, and the guy looks like he's a, like a Hall of Fame running back because he, he's got like so much room. And the Jets, when the Jets run, I don't know if people noticed. I, I looked at the stat; they are last in third down and short yardage conversions. Mm-hmm. Because you could put that a whole bunch, okay? Whether it be the running backs or, but if you don't have an offensive line that can push, when we had that fourth in the inches, and we had a quarterback sneak and lost a yard, yeah. that's all you need to know. You're not going to be a playoff team if you can't convert a third and one. Third, Buffalo Bills they do that push, push, whatever thing. They gain four yards every time. Mm-hmm. Four yards. So you, I don't want to hear about elite defenses because every time they get a third and one, we have nobody to stop that. Because they signed this guy Woods, he got hurt, yep. and we basically look. We're not going to be just because Rogers on the team. We we already talked about Super Bowl. Super Bowl 
name next year, Larry, no matter who we get. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like you brought up the number one pick. They could have used any offensive line, whether a guard or whatever. They got nothing out of your first pick. Nothing. Yeah. They, they, have, they, they, they switch eight linemen. They, do they need another? That's who they picked at the number one. It was obvious that Douglas was caught with his pants down because he was going to take this offensive tackle, and then Patriots made the trade. They should have traded out of that pick. They mm-hmm. weren't ready. I don't know if this kid McDonald's going to be. You can't be signing Huff now to money next year. This McDonald's guy has to take Huff's place. That's what. That's how you do it, and you put that money into an offensive line. I mean, and everybody was killing the Jets for not having a backup quarterback. They they were. Where are Cincinnati? I don't know. Cincinnati's making the playoffs anytime soon. Who's the Forty ers backup quarterback, Larry? Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. <laughs> so if Purdy gets hurt, you're telling me that the the Forty ers are making the Super Bowl? No freaking way. No way. Look, that's what happens. If you lose your starting quarterback, guess what? It's going to be hard to make the playoffs. That's mm-hmm. the way it is. Yep. But what I don't see, what I didn't like is Salah's, I don't know, he's a defensive guy, and you brought it up. They're playing the Dolphins. They, they don't have Hill, and they yeah. let Waddle freaking get all over. They play Cleveland. They don't have um, Cooper, and they let the tight end and Elijah Moore catch touchdowns and first downs on 30-15. Mm-hmm. That's on the defensive coordinator. Somebody, I don't know. How do you let this guy just run amok? All right, thanks for letting me vent. Right, Artie, no problem. I understand. You're right. It, listen, all you need to do, and, and I look, Robert Salah knows more about defenses than I do. It's not even close. But the philosophy is, what do teams do to you? They make it hard. When you see Garrett Wilson, Garrett, when you throw the ball to Garrett Wilson, there's two, sometimes three people around him. There was nobody around in Juku, and Juku was wide open in the center of the field. It's a zone. You know going into that game, okay, and no Amari Cooper, you can't let – all right, if – okay, you can't take everything away. If you're going to say, listen, we're going to let Elijah Moore be – if Elijah Moore beats us, that's the – okay, he'll beat us. But the tight end is not – and Joku is not beating us tonight. Okay, somebody else has got to beat us. That's what, that's what they do to the Jets. What do they say? Okay, well, listen, <laughs> Bruce Hall's not beating us. It's got to be somebody else. Okay, Gary Wilson, Gary Wilson's not beating us. It's got to be somebody else. It's not going to be them. And, and they just don't do that. I mean, look, we found out in the postgame for the first time that they were going to make an adjustment. And it was going to be that um, Sauce Garner was going to cover Amari Cooper no matter what side of the field Amari Cooper was on. That's a departure. I mean, how many conversations have we had on this station? How many times have Don, Michael, and Peter asked Robert Sala about that during the season? About why, what, why, why don't you make that adjustment to let your best defensive secondary player play the best offensive player? I mean, that's what you do. That's why you have him. And they just don't do it. And once again, how are you in the situation where you let, there's one guy that can beat you and you let him beat you? And then here's the other thing. Once it happens, then it doesn't seem to be. Okay, I'm not in the huddle. I'm not in there. I'm just looking like you guys are watching on TV. 
it doesn't seem to be that you then make the adjustment to say, okay, this is what they did. Let's take him away now so they can't do it again. Because you came down and you scored. Okay, he they marched right down the field, which is, you know, sometimes what happens with the Jet defense, and then they make the adjustments later. But they march right down the field. Okay. And then but you march down the field. So now, okay, this is what they did. We're not going to let them do that again. This time we're going to take him away. Let's see what they do now. And you didn't do anything, so, oh, okay, go to him again. <laughs> oh, okay, go to him again. I mean, wide open, wide open. And listen, I respect DJ Reed. DJ Reed in the post-game press conference, once again, Samini alluded to it in our conversation a couple of minutes ago. He, took it, he said, the coaches put us in a great position. We just didn't do what we were supposed to do. And some of that I do not I do not deny him is true because really the players are the one who have to execute what you tell them to do. Okay. The players are the one. Buttle talks about that all the time. When you hear him with Grasso on the post game, he talks about it all the time. It's the play coaches coach, but players play and execute and it's their job to do what they're supposed to do. Got it. But they didn't do that. And he was wide open over and over again. And it was not a good look for this defense. And, you know, listen, statistically, is it a good defense? It is a good defense. But but for them to be a great defense, for them to be an elite defense, they have got to get off the field on get off the field on third down. They just don't consistently get off the field on third down. It's third and fifteen, they give up sixteen. Or if they do get off the field, there's a penalty and it's a first down and they're right back on the field. That's got to change. For you to take that next step, because let's face it, you look at the National Football League, there's a bunch of bad teams in the NFL. There's maybe, uh, what, five, six elite teams? Maybe, maybe in the league? Maybe five or six elite teams. And there's everybody else. And there's a big difference from the second tier to the worst team. There's, there's a play or two here, a player or two there, and a player or two every game that separates the wins from the losses. And yeah, has there been a lot of pressure on this Jet defense? Absolutely. Have they been on the field a lot? No question. But the things that they can control, getting off the field on third down, making a big play, they've done better with turnovers this season. They've not done it consistently. And so while we agonize and criticize and blast the offense, and in most cases, rightfully so, the defense has been good, but they've skated on some opportunities as well. We'll continue the conversation with you on the phones next on 9870 ESPN. Super Bowl playoffs. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Tyrod Taylor's played well today. He's thrown for over 300 yards. The Giants, though, have made key key bad plays, penalties to stop drives. Uh, defense has played pretty good. Got a couple of picks off Matthew Stafford. This, the Giants have played well today. Played well. They've been right in this. This is a, you know, they're 5-10. and 10. This is a game that the Rams need. If they have any shot at trying to, you know, stay in this postseason hunt. And, oh, by the way, uh, and we get to the calls in a second, the uh, uh, Eagles are struggling right now. They're up 
with 36 seconds left, but the Cardinals are at the three. Is this going to be another loss for them to a, to a sub-500 team? You know, they lost to the Jets earlier this season. James Conner has just scored. So now uh, with 32 seconds left, not sure of the timeout situation, but um, the Ravens have taken the lead. The Cardinals, rather, have taken the lead 34-31. Interesting. Let's head back to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Dave's in the car. What's up, Dave? Hey, what's happening? Happy holidays. Same to you, Dave. Um, you know, I, I just like sports in general. When I'm looking at football, really not a lot of favorite teams. I like to see people compete. Like, I like the fact that the Cardinals are showing since Murray came back mm-hmm. that there's life in the organization. So to that point, when I'm looking at the New York Jets, I don't think we're getting the straight story. Every time I look at the New York Jets over the last few years, all I keep seeing is, okay, Ownership is meddling. Ownership is meddling. Because I can't believe, with the exception of Gase over the last few years, you can't have all that football acumen on the coaching staff. Because I look at the tenure of coaches. I look at what coaches have done. And I look at GMs. And I look what they've accomplished. There's something there that we're not getting the straight story on. Right down to the draft pick. And then I'll I'll say this one bit and I'll let you go. Mm Mm-hmm. When Wilson was picked by the Jets, I was surprised because I'm looking at this kid in Chicago now who's right behind um, uh, Jackson in Baltimore as far as statistically, uh, uh, from a statistical perspective. Justin Fields. The quarterback of the Bears. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the Zach Wilson pick. And they say it's conspiracy, right? Uh, the uncles from money owns JetBlue. They're in good with the Johnsons. That's why he's getting picked. There's nothing in the body of work of that quarterback that shows me that he belongs in the NFL, even his top three games. They're mm-hmm. only sitting him out now because they don't, want, they don't want him to get damaged. So if there's any trade value left, they might be able to get him out the door. But I just think that Douglas, Sala, and the staff, with the exception of Hackett, who I have reservations for even being brought here for Rodgers, because you're bringing in a guy who's coming out of arguably the worst season any head coach has ever had in the history of the game first year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that the ownership has too many hands in the say-so of this organization? Um, and, And that's not to say you can't be successful. There's success in Dallas, but not the success there used to be. Right. What do you think about the meddling of ownership? Thanks. All right, Dave. Thanks for the call. It's an interesting thought process. Uh, I do think that, look, owners across all sports have a say, and they, and they meddle, per se. Okay? It's just a question of how much do they meddle. <laughs> all right? How much do they meddle? I don't know. Um, from a quarterback standpoint, I would think that um, – what has happened as far as picking from the quarterback situation? Yeah, they may have been. I know that Joe Douglas from reports really fell in love with Zach Wilson's throwing ability, his arm. Everybody talks about how great his arm is. But for me, just looking um, at him, and, and it doesn't mean that you have to go to a big school to prove that you're great. It doesn't mean, mean that because you can find talent anywhere, anywhere. But personally, 
I thought Fields would have been the better move because of his size, his speed, and I thought he played a played a better schedule. Okay, so that that was my thought process. He played against a tougher schedule, so that meant that he would be able to adjust quicker to the National Football League. That was just my thought process. Doesn't mean that it, you know, and, and this was a first guess for me. All right. Um, and it, it looks like it's been a tough situation for uh, for Zach Wilson. The other thing is that comp that added to that, Dave, was the fact that they did not make adjustments and bring in a veteran quarterback that might have helped him out. They threw him right into the fire. Listen, a lot of teams do it. But I just think it would have been a better situation had they had somebody else in there for him to deal with that could help him out and help him get through that adjustment, especially playing the schedule that he played in college. And once again, you know, that wasn't the original plan for the Jets. They had planned to do something different, but because of unfortunate accident and situations, they weren't able to make that move. Okay, I get it. I understand it. But then you have to pivot once again and make that adjustment. Okay, wow, this coach was supposed to be here. Unfortunately, unfortunate accident. He's no longer with us. So this is what we were going to do. All right, let's make sure we come in and help this kid out and give them the right backing and the right situation so that he can make it and make that transition a little bit smoother. They didn't do it. So now you have all that situation with Zach Wilson. On the other hand, Dave, the problems with the offensive line, that's not on their ownership. The problems uh, that they made picking in draft choices and not living up to their point, that's not totally on ownership. That's on the general manager coaching and scouting. All right. Yes, I, I can understand what you're saying, quarterback. Yeah, and the possibility there. Yes. Also, remember, where the coaches were, you look at the talent they had where they were and look at the talent they have where they are. <laughs> and sometimes that's a big difference as well. All right. Robert Sala had to build the defense that he had in the, with the Niners. He had to build that type of defense with the Jets. Okay, the offensive line and stuff that he gotten that that was there in Frisco was not the same situation here with the Jets. So talent makes all quarterbacks and coaches better. And that was the situation here. Uh, the Eagles lost that game. The Eagles lose to the to the Cardinals. And so now the Niners clinched the number one seed. They got the first round by after that 35 31 loss. The Giants on the kick return come back. They score a touchdown, go for uh, go for two, and miss it instead of kicking the field goal to tie. So they now trail by one, and uh, the defense is going to try to get the ball back and see if the Giants can come down and get a game-winning field goal. They have plenty of time. They got over two minutes left to go. So if the Giant defense can get the ball back, the Giants have a chance to steal one against the Rams. 1-800-919-3776. When we return, we'll come back. We'll take more of your phone calls. We'll continue to see what's happening at the end of the 1 o'clock games and get you revved up for the 4 o'clock games. And Jay Bromley will join us at the bottom of the hour at 4.30 on 98.7 ESPN.